I have an app on my phone. 14 days, 14 hours, 48 minutes and 45 seconds left for you to get your shopping done. I don't know what that does to you, but to me that grabs me by the throat and I can barely breathe. Are you kidding me? Oh my word, it's that close. And I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm hope, does it? It doesn't help to have a countdown to Christmas that says, this is all the time you have left to get everything done. We don't even have our tree up yet. Keep waiting for Kim to get it out of the attic. Come on, it's time. Let's go. Only 14 days to go. Do you know that the original are already? Four candles. Light the candle. Sit in the glow of the light that reminds us of the light of the world. No urgency. Just waiting, trusting, hoping, expecting the coming of our Savior. I hope that you will trash that dumb app on your phone this season. And you'll go back to the original countdown to Christmas. Go back to just looking at a candle and thinking, it won't be long. Next week, pink candle. By the way, he's up for this. So... During this next song, we're going to move to communion, one of four stations around the room, two in the back and two in the front. And as we do, am I correct that the song has something to do with, oh, come all you faithful? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Just check it. All to come. I mean, if we're singing, oh, come all we faithful, shouldn't we all just sit in our seats or stay home? None of us is faithful. None of us. Why do we come? He is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from a small F, not a big F, and come celebrate the faithfulness of the one who came to die to give you life. Let's sing together. Well, as you came in, you got a folder, and you'll need it today. We've got a—I feel like we need really two hours this morning. We've got so much that we're going through, but don't worry. We'll keep you on time, kind of, sort of. Um, Brian, why don't you tell us what's going on with students? I get the schedule for the next two weeks, and then, as you'll see in your folder this morning, we are off—we'll be off for two weeks uh, around Christmas and New Year's. But before that, next Sunday night, our Revive high schoolers are going to be doing some Christmas cookie decorating, uh, and then on Wednesday, our Refuge Junior Hires will be doing some Christmas cookie refuge lock-in coming up on January 5th, so if you want to get your junior hire out of the house for the night, we'll take them, uh, and hopefully all of our leaders will survive, but yeah, looking forward to that. And finally, registration is open for Arctic Blast. There's a limited space available, so please go online, southfieldchurch.com, slash news and events, go to, scroll down to Arctic Blast. For the Lake Geneva Youth Camp website. Again, that's a trip that we are taking with our junior hires at the end of January. We really, really, really want them to go. So if you have anything at all, uh, you can go see the welcome desk. There's a flyer there with the information uh, that you'll need as well. So yeah, sign up today. Wonderful. So if you have this, go ahead and get it out. Let me race through a few things here. The 24th is a Sunday this year. And we decided, rather than having a Saturday night service or a Sunday night service or whatever, we're just, our Christmas Eve services are going to be normal Sunday morning. 
And then from there, we're asking you to go ahead and, and let your light shine, just like Jesus says, let that light shine. So find a simple serve for you this afternoon. Find a way of, of just saying, Jesus, this is our expression of love for you. We want to serve. One of the serves that we suggested this past week by way of email is that you might want to get involved in giving blood. If it were not for the giving of people's blood, we would have lost our father and my father-in-law, Kim's father, three, three Christmas of giving really life to him through infusions of blood and platelets. And so we suggested that on Christmas Eve, we'll get the blood mobile out here and go ahead and give blood. It was funny because we contacted them and they were like, you'll never get anybody on Christmas Eve. And we said, yeah, we will. And they said, well, if you can get 30 to 50, we'll come. And so Kim calls and says, we got 41. And, and they may come down to, I'm just going to take a razor blade, slit your vein and drip into a bucket and we'll take it on over. But uh, anyway, no, we're going to figure out the logistics. We will be in contact with those of you that have gone ahead and signed up for that uh, one way or another. We're getting your blood, okay? We're going to do that. So I'm just, I'm really excited about it. It's wonderful, wonderful way to be able to, again, extra time, extra time with our father. Um, it's amazing. So uh, Kim, again, out at the Welcome Center, will have available, or whoever else is out, out of the Welcome Center today, will have available those, those CDs. I love this CD. I mean, if I could give a, a, an analogy, I have two kinds of sprinklers at my house. One is this very dry by and go, hey, cool. And then there's the other sprinkler that's the soaker hose that nobody sees, and it's right at the root, and it drips. These CDs are soaker hoses. It's not big and flashy. It soaks, soaks scripture into your soul. You have, a, you have a disquieted heart, a disquieted spirit. You know someone whose heart and spirit is just kind of rattling all the time. You need, so that might be a good, a good gift idea for you. We also have a way for you to go ahead and... Um, link with an Amazon link to do your Christmas ordering. And believe it or not, uh, Amazon goes ahead and gives a little bit back to the church. So there'll be an email arriving after the second service today, and that link is on there to make that nice and easy. Uh, Brian already mentioned the student stuff. And, and then there's the thing we've been doing for the last few weeks. This thing we've been doing the last few weeks, which is um, taking in a, a Thanksgiving offering for the sake of making sure that the future is taken care of. Change the future now. And we ask you, what is something that I could do to uh, maybe change my giving pattern? Maybe I, could, maybe I should be giving a little bit more, could be giving a little bit more. And what's cool is uh, a number of you looked at that and said, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take on that challenge. I'm going to give a little bit more. It's just amazing. Uh, we asked you to give a one-time Thanksgiving offering on the 19th, the 26th, or the 3rd. And a bunch of got involved. The mortgage closes later this spring. And a bunch of you said, yeah, I can do that. And then the fourth one was, is it possible to go ahead and give uh, over the course of the next two years be, uh, up through 2020 uh, toward the building? And a bunch of you did that. This is from Price Waterhouse. So um, back in October, we stopped reporting the building fund in the bulletin. Because we knew some of you were going to give, not just in three weeks, but you're going to give a little earlier. Because you knew that if you held it, you wouldn't hold it. So you gave it. So if you were to go back then, the number in the bullet, that was about mid-October, that that's where that was sitting. And um, when we put the number in next week, you're going to see... 
you're going to see that. Dang, yeah. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. Now, let me say, that is not just what came in over the last three weeks. That's what's come in since we took the number out in October. Because people have been giving all along. So to kind of give the, this is what the three weeks was, and then this was this, pulled in before a Senate hearing. So I, this is the easiest way to do it, okay? To just say, this is the growth that took place between now, between the middle of October and literally this Sunday there. Now, this, is, this total represents money that's been given all year long. So some of that money, it's done. No interest on that. That payment's done, all right? So if you're one of those people that's going to kind of take the original number and subtract this, you're going to come up with a goofy number. It's not going to quite work because some of it isn't there. It's already been given. It's already been spent, all right? Makes sense? But nonetheless, this is where that is. Now, let me just say the other two numbers, which were pretty incredible. That was 97950 So almost another $100,000 by May. That's just crazy. And then by the, by the entry of 2020, there was a commitment of another 93.7. And I, I hope you are too. You know, I hope you are too. I got to admit to you, I, get, I don't like doing this, okay? And let me tell you why I don't like doing it. I just, I don't, it sounds crazy. I even have a hard time inviting people to church. Hi, come hear me preach. <laughs> I'm really good. And so when you start talking about stuff like this, I've, I've always been hesitant just from the standpoint of, oh, how does it feel? And, and we, we, try to, we try to raise funds in a way that I think is consistent with what's biblical, but also consistent with what the personality of our church is. And, you know, I mean, it would be easy, I guess, to say, this is what we're doing, here's your card, send it in, or something like that. We try to do something that we really believe is, is God-honoring, and that is a spiritual process of praying it through and saying, this is what, this is what we believe we can do. So um, it's, that's, that's just stunning. Now, clearly, this and this is not here yet. And so what does that mean? It means we need to be faithful. To the, you still haven't done anything with this, and you still haven't done anything with this. And uh, maybe you're still weighing it. Maybe, maybe you're still wrestling through that with God. But uh, between now and the end of the year, you have the opportunity to go ahead and give toward that. And let's, see, let's see what we can do to grow that before the end of the year. Because the cool part is, you know, another building payment is coming up here soon. And you should be able to make that payment with what, with what you've given. So again, it delays taking out the loan. It delays the interest. It delays all that. And that's just fantastic. So um, I hope, I hope, I hope that, that that brings a little bit of joy to your heart. If it does not... I don't know what else to say. It's just incredible that you were that generous. It's incredible and, uh, and, and just overwhelming. So I'm going to take this down because we don't want to stare at that the whole time and because we have other things to talk about this morning. So we've been working our way through our shape, our, our fitness for ministry. And in some ways, it's almost contrary to everything you are and, and, and just something that God says, I'm giving this to you. Boom, here it is. Use it for my glory. Amazing. Um, H, heart, passion, and purity. The thing that just makes my heart beat, I got to get involved with this. The things you do that you just go, huh, anybody could do that. Fact is, anybody can't do it. If you have the ability to do plumbing, 
you have, a, you have an amazing ability. My ability on plumbing is when I get it down to three drips, it's a go. You know, but some of you can actually get that thing to work. It's amazing. It's an ability. And by the way, the, the gifts and abilities list will be in that SHA. P, personality. We talked about personality last week. How are you energized? How are you organized? And I suspect that we created a family fight or two with that one. And you spent the whole week looking at people and going, eh, she's a tasky, or ah, too much people, 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 or ah, you're, you are less than structured, I see, or whatever. You know, now I understand better um, why there are certain ministry areas that, that I just hum, and why there are certain areas that I struggle, and not to say I'll never do anything where I struggle, but to say now I get it, now I understand why it is that way. So, S-H-A-P, E. E is probably since conception and maybe even before that, God has been building into a base of experiences in your life that create you, craft you, and mold you to be the very person that you are right now. And those experiences are very often, they're kind of the entrees into ministry. They're the things that cause us to go, now I understand why I just do this pretty well. I get this because of my experiences. So what are the experiences that we have that we need to look at in order to understand our wiring a little bit better? I'll give you the first one, and this may sound very broad, but your life experiences. We start with our life experiences. So, so something is, what kind of family were you born into? Where were you born? I was born in western New York, North Tonawana, New York, right between Buffalo and Niagara Falls. When, when recessions hit, Everywhere else in the country, they hit that area 10 times harder. It's a mess. And I grew up in an area that was intensely, not kidding, this is mid-70s, you know, Carter's America, okay? And, and our pastor comes in, in his little green Toyota. I truly expected the guys to go out and flip that thing that day. This, this kind, this informs who Dennis is, all right? So as I'm looking for ministry opportunities, I'm kind of thinking from my life experiences that help me to understand where I'll fit best. Life experiences are huge. What have been the experiences of your life that have kind of come together to shape you and say, this is who I am? And, and I mean, we could just, we could really go like crazy on all those different experiences. There are a bunch of them. So you have your life experiences life experiences. How about um, educational and we might put occupational. Your educational occupational experiences. So you went to school. Good for you. Uh, you were a decent student. Yay! But you had educational experiences. Maybe your educational experiences went beyond high school and you went to college. Maybe they went beyond that and you did graduate work. Maybe they went beyond the, that and you have a PhD. Maybe, maybe your educational experiences had less to do with paying tuition to a college and the job you were at would send you on seminars. Or, or, they, or they would host training, how much training you've gotten along the way that is actually useful in the kingdom of God and you just thought you were getting it for work. And God say, oh no, no, I, I gave you that training over there for free because I've got some purposes in my kingdom that I want to do. So it's not just what was your education, but the educational, occupational experiences along the way that have formed you. So, so you 
or they, they know where they went to school, but then you start thinking about, oh, yeah, I did. I received that training. I forgot all about that. I went to that seminar. Hmm, did I learn anything? Where's that notebook? You know, you, but you're, you're kind of going through and figuring out those pieces, so educational, occupational. How about your, um, how about your relational experiences? Oh, have relational connections. Some of those relational connections have been incredibly positive. Some of those relational connections have been downright ugly. But you just start looking through the relationships of your life and you start to get an understanding of how you're wired. So you might go back to some of your earliest relational experiences. Mom, dad. Was there a mom? You were adopted into a family and now that's created an interesting dynamic of relationships that's totally different than somebody else might have. Um, you, you, you know, you really kind of think through this. Where were you in birth order? Uh, I, was, I was first born, and you just figured it out. You hate your oldest brother or your oldest sister, and I work the exact same way. O- oldest have a way of viewing the world. King. O- oldest have a way of viewing the world that others do not. And so there can be friction there. What, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Birth order. How about size of family? I came from a family Yost. And until I talked to Tyler Yost, I'm like, we were a micro family. And what did you have, like 35, 40 kids? I forget. A whole, whole bunch of people in that family. And then there are those of you that were the only child. How does that work? So you start looking at all these relational experiences. You look at the relational experiences of being married or of not being married or, or whatever. You've got all those pieces. All of these relational experiences come together to form who you are. And, and they give us an idea of, of where we might find effectiveness in ministry. But, but it's, the last, it's the last batch that I find most intriguing. And that's our painful experiences. Some of the most effective uh, the, the, one of the most effective avenues for ministry. The pain you've experienced. The heartache, the grief, the thing you want to put away and never think about again. Very often, it is your deepest pain that turns out to be your most effective and engaging. I mentioned it last week, but, but I want to encourage you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't, I'm not a basher, okay? I'm not into this person is doing it wrong or that person's not got it right. But, but one, one group that really kind of makes me crazy is the whole health and wealth approach. If, if you're health and wealth, read Because the Apostle Paul was getting clobbered. He was getting clobbered. I mean, by every standard, Paul should have looked at what was happening in his life and saying, I must have sinned against God. I must, not, I must be out of the center of the will of God. And you read every go hand in hand with who Jesus is, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My suffering goes hand in hand. It is absolutely consistent with what's taking place in the gospel. So he begins by saying, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, the new way, not the law, but grace. Not, not the old way, but the gospel. Why do I stick with it? Why do I not give up? Why in the face of problems, danger, persecution, and all this stuff, why do I just keep at it again and again and again? Well, because of this incredibly valuable gospel. 
We reject all shameful deeds and, understand, uh, and, and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth. The letter of 2 Corinthians is a letter about pain. It's a letter about pain between, if I can say it this way, a pastor and his congregation. A congregation that had misread his motives, a congregation that had really questioned his character, questioned his authority, questioned everything about him. And Paul comes back in this letter, and he just kind of bleeds all over the place and says, I don't pain throughout the whole thing. So part of what he's saying is, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not a trickster here. I'm not a trickster here. There's something more going on. Because some might have looked at the pain he was going through and saying, see, God's punishing you. God's punishing you for the things you've done. And Paul's saying, if you think I'm being punished for the things I've done, you're not. He, he, he goes on, it's beautiful. I mean, he has this analogy where he talks about let there be light and the glory of Christ's face shining. And, and you can just hear him redescribing, in a sense, his Damascus Road experience where he's knocked off his donkey and onto the ground and he sees Jesus. But he says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars contained. Huge lesson here, right? He's talking about this is the incredible, valuable gospel. Nothing is more valuable. I don't know what you have of great value, okay? Shelly had her uh, car title at our house last night. And it's like, what do I do with this thing? Where should I put it? And Kim's like, safe, safe, safe. Put it in a safe. Make sure. Protected from fire. All that sort of stuff. Something that is incredibly secure. What does God put the most valuable thing he has, the gospel, in? Cracked pots. He puts the gospel in cracked clay pots. He says, here you go. Let's see what happens when I take something this valuable and I place it in a cracked clay. The Kindle that has the backlight, okay? So, not reading in the dark. You can actually see the words. How pretty. And at some point, I apparently had it in a backpack and I got a couple of cracks on the screen. And so now I have a couple of spots on the screen where bee, the light is shining through like some alien trying to break right. Cracked clay pots and the light shines through the cracks. And as the light shines through the cracks, what, God, what, what, what Paul is saying here is that that's God's glory shining through. People looked and they just thought you were a cracked pot. You're a holder of the gospel. The most valuable gospel, the glory of God shines through. You see, if you didn't have the cracks, if you weren't made of clay, people would say, well, he's brilliant. Well, she's important. And instead they're going, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, there's something going on. Everything about that person says they should not want to live. That in the deepest pain that we have, the glory of God is able to shine through the cracks. What an opportunity for our painful experiences to shine, right? I love this. I mean, he should have this on a business card. We are pressed on every side, down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our body continues to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. I mean, we're so mixed up on this suffering thing. I must have done something wrong. If God loved me, he wouldn't 
through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Jesus actually shines through the cracks and the brokenness and the areas that, that we, we would love to patch up, we would love to get rid of, we'd love to push them. There it is. Let me jump down to the bottom. That is why we never give up. He keeps saying it. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And then this, I love this, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Please don't believe that Paul's problems were small. They were huge. But he says in light of eternity, piece of cake. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But we embrace this pain. Not sadistically, okay? But I embrace this pain because I know that in the embracing of this pain, the life of Jesus is seen in me in a way that it would not be seen otherwise. And there is some pain you've gone through. I promise you, you're a human. We all have. There is either a pain you're going through right now, and God's saying, incredible opportunity for serving coming your way. You see, it, it's, it's from our pain very often that I truly believe we find our most effective avenue of ministry. We see things in other people that we've seen in ourselves. We know what that feels like. We've been there. We've gone through that. And we can then quickly cannot help. Now, there are some things we need to be warned of, right? We need to be warned that sometimes when someone else's pain bumps up against our pain, about all we can do is think about our own pain. Uh, you've had that happen, right? Someone else is going through something, and all that, and what you want to do right now is tell them your story. Mm. Is this helpful or is this therapy? I'm here for you. And I need to recognize that sometimes in seeing someone else's pain, my pain bubbles up so fast. And I got to get a quick grab of my own pain. And know what's going on. It might be as it bubbles up again so I can talk to a therapist or a friend who helps me to process what might remain unprocessed or to just realize that our pain never truly goes away. And now, how are we going to deal with that? So we got to be careful that in the process of someone else revealing their pain and it bumps up against ours, we don't have our solution to their solution. Uh, you know what I mean? We, we, we're real quick to, when we hear someone going through what we've gone through, well, this is what we did, boom, 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 boom. We don't know that that's the same. I, I just, I love Job's friends until they open their yappers. You know? That's, that's who we need to be. I'm here with you and I'm here for you. I am with you. And I can't even truly say I know what you're going through, but I'm here with you through what you're going through. So it may be the hard, hardest inventory of all. Where have you been hurt most deeply, most profoundly, most painfully? Is it possible that God has a tremendous ministry opportunity for you if you'd finally just embrace the pain the way Paul did.
and say, God, maybe, maybe just maybe you want to use this. So every week we've done an interview, and today I'm going to ask, and we're going to talk about pain. And we're going to talk about painful experiences. And let me say from this standpoint, uh, like I've already said, Diane's not unique. Diane is human. Humans hurt, right? Humans get hurt. So uh, Diane's been through some hurts. By the way, you saw some people walking, and that's to collect the offering. So the offering is coming as we're speaking. Um, Diane's been through a, a couple of really, really deep, deep heartaches, one a few years back and one much more recently. And um, just let me, let me give a little bit of the nature, a little bit of the uh, nature of both. Uh, in their previous life, living in another state, from positive. I don't know if you've ever had a psychotic neighbor. Maybe you are one. You're God's gift to someone. But, um, you know, when, you, when you've got to pull in your driveway every day and the person living next door is trying to create a disastrous existence for you, trying to drive you from your neighborhood, very, very difficult place to live. And then more recently, I can't even put my arms around um, your son-in-law basically decided he was, he was done with his family and left your daughter with kids and uh, trying to figure it out. And like many parents, you and Joe have been trying to step in and I can't say be a husband for her because that's not really what we... What's that like? What, 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 what's... Describe your hurt... Hi. <laughs> um, it's a it's a pain that's indescribable. Or you have a loved one that you've seen um, being hurt by someone else, or being betrayed by someone else. Um, it's it's something that you can't hardly describe it. It's so deep and so you just sometimes just sit there in just a bewilderment of what's happening. And um, so it's, it's like an eating away inside of you. It's a, it's a hard pain. If, if you're a parent, um, you know that there is... Um, we deal with it, and then there's watching someone you love. You quite literally, from the moment of birth, said, I am here to protect you. Mm-hmm. And, and now this happens, and it, it just it creates a devastating impact, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly hard. I mean, this season to minister and serve, has it caused you to pull back? Has it caused you to want to do more? What? What's it, done, what's it done to you in this season? Well, it took time. Um, this has been going on uh, not even a year yet. And um, it took time for that to happen. It, it, uh, in initially, my husband and I craved and needed um, our family, our church family, uh, people who we were close to, our, our family as well to support us and to love us, and they were there for us. Um, this church is specifically who just loved us. 
They were here for us. They loved us. And we've been here about three years, um, right, about three years. And just people coming up to us and not necessarily, like Dennis said, you know, trying to fix it, but just saying, I'm sorry, hugging us in the beginning and then just walking through us through that time. And as I walked through that time, God began to work in a different way than he's worked in my life. And just gently people into my life, his word into my life through others as well as um, through outside. I, I just began to crave that comfort. Mm. And I knew mm. that that comfort could only come from him. Because it was a day, every single day that we came home, there was something happening. Yeah. The phone was ringing and it was constant. And to watch my husband and to watch my child go through this was devastating. Plus the grief of losing this young man, God just gently began to mold me and shape me for more. Mm -hmm. And he's still doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing is that he created in me a craving for him as well as a craving to just be there for other people. Is that it's pain, Mm. regardless of where it comes from, regardless of what you've been through. Some pain is definitely more devastating than others, other pain, but it's still pain and it's your pain. So let me, let me just unpack a little piece of what you said here, because it's, 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 it's great, huge teaching. Uh, leave. I don't want to speak for everybody because I think God truly does work with every individual um, individually. And then there are ways of the soul, kind of patterns that we see in the development of a human. Um, too, too often, especially for those of us who are believers, we enter into a seat, maybe even after this series, try to turn it into a ministry. You know, you're three minutes into your pain and you're already trying to figure out how to start your not-for-profit on X, Y, or Z. Okay? And, 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 and God's saying, how about we just sit in the ashes for a little while? And you're going, but I don't want to sit in the ashes. And he's saying, yeah, but that's what we are. We just have a real resistance to sit in the pain. Mm-hmm. And we have to. We need to. Before we, before we go public with the new idea. We have to sit there. We get very activistic in our pain. Um, and, and I think on the, on the high side, it's because we, we believe we see the spiritual reason behind it. And on the less high side, the reality is, ministry, like, boom, covered, good, gone. No. Uh, so time is important for the pain to really have a chance to develop and be felt. It is also important to be able to, be, to sit back and receive ministering before you're jumping out and ministering to other people. Because I, I think this is, I had this experience many years ago. Um, I, I led a youth group in foot washing with the kids. 30 stinky teenage feet, you know, just around a circle. And we're going to do foot washing. And so we're going around washing these kids' feet. And it was amazing. Oh, how spiritual, godly. And then they said, okay, now you. And I'm like, uh-uh. 
you ain't touching my feet. You ain't seeing my feet. That's not going to happen. And, and what I really needed in that moment was for God to say, how can you serve someone before you're willing to help them, before you're going to be a helper? And so I think God entered you into that season of saying, I'm willing, and you did it beautifully, I'm willing to sit here in the ashes for a bit, even though I don't want to. Process it. Understand it. And what grew out of it was not a national ministry. Amazing. Now, your pains, lifetime of pains, have, um, have led to a couple of incredible ministry opportunities, if you ask me. I mean, one literally leading a group called Sit With Me in the Ashes, which was great. Um, you've really been a, a, a prime impetus behind intercessory prayer around our church, uh, both Sunday morning up here at the table out today in that little breezeway between both sets of doors off to the side there's a lattice where there are some cards and you can literally write your prayer hang it on that lattice and then we stop and pray for those things so just tell me how his how his pain drawn out intercessory prayer for you um I had been Sensing the Holy Spirit calling me for several years into prayer. Prayer has always been important to me. Um, it's like a direct channel that I feel like we can have with the Lord. And um, so when I came here, I, in, 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 pa in the past when I've served in, it was a great desire and I enjoyed it. And it was a great thing for me. But when I came here, I didn't feel that that was where the Lord was leading me. I felt he was leading me into praying for others. And so that's what began. And I talked to Kim about it. And that's what began that journey. And then as this history has changed, because I've gone more to the Lord and the Lord's opened my eyes to more things. And one of the things that he has opened my eyes to is just being there for others and listening to others and longing to pray for others mm -hmm. because I know they hurt. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, my spiritual gift is mercy. I've known that for a long time. And I have a deep compassion to just help allow God to speak to me and help um, comfort others. And I just, that's just an area that I feel the Lord has led me into mm -hmm. and it's very deep and it's very genuine. And when I did led together, we both had gone through a very painful experience and which at the time that it happened for both of us, it happened for her first and I was there for her and then I went through it and she was there for me and never did we think we would be doing mm. the come sit with me in the ashes, mm. but it was a wonderful wonderful and just to talk about just the pain and what it felt like and and that God was there yeah, and yeah. to love you and to be with you that's beautiful well time and time again in the new testament paul says basically the pain i've gone through has been for your benefit i don't think that's him denying that the pain was necessary for someone so i want to encourage you this week to spend a little time thinking through that pile of ashes? What are the places where pain has taken place? And is it possible that God has placed some calling on you 
that rises from that. And by calling, sometimes that's an ongoing ministry, and sometimes story, and hmm, maybe, just maybe God created this divine appointment today uh, for, for this person and for me to meet here in their ashes so that I could have some compassion for them. So thank you, Diane. And, you know, to everybody, I mean, uh, Ben and Kim, Dave, Mike, Sue, side. and so it's terrifying enough to be on the stage. It's quite another when, when Dennis takes the list of questions and says, that was nice, but we're going to go where I feel like going right now. So you did a good job. Thank you. Let's thank her together. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take off, uh, head on out for the day. And before we do, this is going to seem really strange, but it just seems incredibly appropriate. I think in many ways it's the epitome of, of this uh, SHAPE acronym that we've been talking about. And he had a significant birthday this past week. Mark, happy birthday. And your family's going to sing to you right now, okay? And we're going to prove that my spiritual gift is not singing. So it's Mark, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, to you. It is good to celebrate you, Mark. Thank you. All right. God in heaven, we are grateful that as we walk out of this place, uh, the pains that have come in our lives, we can realize that there can be purpose behind them. It wasn't a random infliction. Read those words and we believe it. Everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Not that everything is good, but when we see it from a divine perspective, we understand that these present troubles are small and they won't last very long. We embrace today. We embrace the truth of your word. I'm grateful for what Diane has said today. God, I'm, I'm grateful for what the Apostle Paul shared from the depth of his brokenness, to be able to say, my brokenness is not a sign that I'm doing something wrong, but quite literally that I'm right directly exactly where God wants me. We pray this in the name of Jesus. So every week we've had an interview, and I'm going to ask uh, Diane Jacob, in some ways the most difficult one to share, because we're going to talk about some uh, painful experiences that Diane has gone through. And as Diane comes up and that part of the sermon ends, people are standing up. They're not leaving because they were deeply offended. They're, uh, they're going back to get offering baskets, and the offering is going to be collected as our uh, interview begins. So if you've... Um, and Joe came to our church a few years back and have come during a season here that's just been wonderful and fun, great time to be here. Um, they came to us, and, and it, was, it was clear in the conversations I had with them early on that they, were, that they were coming from some places of brokenness and hurt. And some of that brokenness, too, without going into a lot of detail about it, um, they, had a, they had a neighbor who was making their life utterly miserable. I don't know if you've ever had one of those neighbors, but... Um, I've, I've, I've known people who have had those kind of neighbors, the kind of person that you pull in your driveway and you just go, I don't even want to live here. And, and, and it literally caused such pain. Um, their their, their son-in-law decided that he did not want to be with their daughter anymore and with their grandchildren anymore and just kind of decided to destroy the family and, and take life in a different direction. 
And um, while their daughter has gone through this tremendous and dad have been there trying to hold it all together with her for, and for her and feeling that pain along with her. And if, if you're a parent, you know, we as parents always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> you know, we, we love that line and kids go, ah, it's stupid. No, really. Um, when you're going through so um, pain. The pain of watching your, your daughter struggle. The pain of watching your son-in-law reject his family. How's, how's, that, how's that felt to you? Questions? Um, watching our daughter has been um, very hard, very deeply tormenting. You know, as a parent, you're there to encourage them and love them and protect them. And so have those same feelings, but there's so much that's beyond what you can do. And and then um, you mentioned my son-in-law, mm-hmm. my previous son-in-law. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's been interesting because I think it just happened this past year. And for myself, you know, Joe and I both have handled it differently. But for myself, um, one of the gifts that the Lord has given me, my spiritual gift, is mercy. And that is not my husband's spiritual gift. (laughs) He's not here, but he knows that. We've (laughs) talked about that many times. I want to be mad. I want to be angry with him. But God has been so good to be able for me to look beyond myself and to see that my former son-in-law needs the Lord. And so I pray for him. I pray for him. But it's been interesting. That's all I pray for him. I got to be honest with you and say there have been times that when a person has been inflicting pain on me, the last thing I want to do is pray for them. And not, not because I wanted bad things for them, but because I didn't want to think about them. Yeah. And so here I am praying for my source of pain, and all it's doing is making... And, that, and that's a hard place. place to be because there's a balance there. You're ex- yeah. exactly right. It's been very hard because in the beginning, um, I... I really struggled with that. Should I pray for him? Should I not pray for him? Um, and, and, and not to get off on a ridiculously broken past. So this decision that he has made is from his past. And it's, it's, it's the choice he's made, but, but it's because of his past. But anyway, um, for our daughter, you know, the pain has been deep. It's been mm-hmm. anguish and heartache and that I had never um, experienced in the past. You know, we've all had pain, and I've had it, but nothing like that. Yeah. We, we, um, when we do interviews like this, I always tell the person that's going to be talking that we want to try our best not to uh, say exactly what we did in the first service or we're going to get bogged down <laughs> in trying to get it exactly right. 
And so we're actually kind of going rather different than we did. Yeah. In the, when you're going through something like this, uh, the, initial, the initial stages of it, every day is just a new, a new sense of brutal. Mm -hmm. It's like every day there's a phone call, mm -hmm. there's a need, there's a, it, it, it's, it's this relentless bombardment. It, it how, did you kinda, how did you keep your head up during that relentless bombardment of, I need this, to shoulder that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, um, Joe and I handled that in different ways, but the one way that we both did handle it that was very um, amazing and provided us with, with the most comfort was we shared. We shared with people in, in our church family. There were multiple, multiple people that were there for us, that came to us, and not necessarily like like Dennis had said, you know, not to fix it, but just saying, "We're praying for you. We love you. We care about you. I'm sorry," um, and that meant more than you can ever imagine. And for those who, because when you're bombarded each day, you can't even think straight. You don't even know how to process it. You're praying, but you're just. It's a constant, you know, person drilling into your soul, just digging, digging. So the comfort that was provided to us through our church family was was immense. You said that one of the, your love and desire for God, mm -hmm. for Jesus, would you speak mm -hmm. a little bit to mm -hmm. that? Um, so as time went on, and Dennis and I talked about this in the first service, you know, in the beginning, you're just focused on that. But as time went on, um, we both began to seek the Lord more. We prayed. And, and I spent allowing myself that private time of those moments with God, listening. to. Sometimes it was just listening, just sitting there. As Dennis had said, just sitting in the ashes, hearing God, um, you know, speak to my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and he did, he did in more ways than I can even tell you. Um, you know, it's still there at times, it's, and he still does that. One of the things, so we, we talk about the five experiences there and say that you need to look at your painful experiences and see if maybe there's a, an opportunity to meet someone else in their place of pain where you've been in your own. And I think one of the things that I, I get nervous about in speaking about that is that you might try to, um, and you're trying to figure out how to turn your pain into a ministry. You know, how can I, I mean, you may even already be thinking about the non-for-profit you're going to open, or, you know, who knows what, based on your pain. And uh, one of the things Diane said in the, in the first service that was beautiful is, when the pain happened, it, it just, she needed a season of time to feel the pain, to walk through the pain of people, to pray for her, and to pray with her. And I do think sometimes in, in our circles, we get really activistic when we're going through our season of pain. We're in a deep pain, and it feels better to do something. And so we turn our, we turn our pain into a ministry, into an opportunity to do something. And so one of the hardest things that all of us have to do is, your group was literally named this, sit in the ashes for a while. You've got to sit in the ashes, experience the pain. You've got to receive some serving. Mm -hmm. It is easy for several, for a lot of us to be the server, but to receive serving is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And all of those things, it's not as if 
It's not as if I get pain to craft your soul, mm -hmm. to be open to whatever God wants, but that didn't necessarily happen two days after mm -hmm. he said, I'm gone. And, and you're not even necessarily there yet. You're just you're walking through it and letting it form you into the person you're going to be, uh, better, not bitter, and ultimately using that in some way. It may not be a thin there. Mm -hmm. Let me sit with you in that. Mm -hmm. Know that I'm praying for mm -hmm. you in that. Yes, it, um, you know, in, in doing, in, in the prayer ministry, when I came here, I knew that God was calling me to do that, and I felt very inadequate. I have the, um, the, the heart, and um, so I, I began, but God, you know, I knew that it was what God wanted me to do, so um, I began doing that, praying for others and being available for prayer. And then now as we've gone through this, this season of this, this hardship and this anguish and this pain, um, it has, I've, I've become much more um, a, a better listener. Um, my, my heart is, is different. It, it's stronger in desiring to, to be of a of God using me to comfort, to provide comfort for others. And um, one of the ministries that Diane has around our church that's really beautiful is being involved specifically in intercessory prayer. And she is often up here at the table after a service, willing to stop and just pray with you and whatever you're going through. And I think it would might be easy to look at Diane on the surface or just about any person here on the surface and look and say, Oh, that person's so put together that, that, yeah, there are a lot of nice things in her life, no doubt, but there's also brokenness in your life. And there, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Tozer. It's not the Bible. So it's wisdom, but it's not, it's not inspired, okay? Those, those who God uses greatly, he wounds deeply. Or if God's going to use you greatly, he's going to wound. But um, am I willing to allow my pain to be used greatly for the kingdom of God. So she's up here for that. And then also, as you walk between the doors, the doors you leave here and the next set of doors, off to the right-hand side, if you're walking out that way, is a lattice with some cards on it. And you're able to go ahead and write a prayer that you have, hang it there on the lattice. And then as those of us that are around another area that she's been involved in prayer ministry around here, but that intersensory prayer really comes not from a place of perfection, but from a place of being a clay-cracked pot through whom the glory of God can shine. So thank you for being willing to do that, and thank you for being willing to do this. We talked about personality last week, and I admit that I'm on the, the less structured side, but not knowing exactly where I'm going to take them. You know, I have right. a list of questions, but, but right. I also like to go where I right. feel like going. So Yeah, I want to say just one other thing is that, you know, I, I'm up here at this, the first service, and there's other people that are here as well. I know Patty um, comes up at the second service, but there's so many people here that will pray for you, mm -hmm. and, and the, that that I have built, I, I know who mm -hmm. those people are. And, and but there's so many people in this church that will pray for you, and and whatever it is that you're going through, mm -hmm. or or you know if it's if you feel that it's too minor, it's not too minor. So, um, 
We're all I just broken. want to encourage you yeah. to do that. Yeah. We're all yeah. broken. Can we be broken together? The afternoon is going to be having a, a worship service followed by a funeral for their pastor. And um, the guy who helped a lot of people helped me personally. And last Monday, he decided to take a gun to his head. And um, yeah, deep pain, deep pain for them today. And she has three different kinds of cancer. And we'll be starting radiation tomorrow. Um, doctors are saying 50-50 chance we'll get this, but we're not really sure. So God's always giving us a lot of reasons to pray. And when we've been in pain, it just has a way of making those prayers so much more fresh, so much more real when we know that. We go through pain for the sake of others. You went through pain, Jesus, for our sake. We get this privilege of following in your example, of, of allowing your life to be displayed through our brokenness. Would you bring us to our impressiveness? This week, as we continue to wake our way toward Christmas, Help us to find those moments that we embrace you with our whole hearts, that we just adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.